Welcome to Forward, the podcast of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance. You are now entering a spiz-free zone. No unicorns, no rainbows, no chiropractic fairy tales, just progressive talk for progressive chiropractors. So buckle up and get ready. We're moving the profession forward. And now, your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Welcome, everybody, to the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bobby Maybe. Before we introduce our guest today, I want to do a little house cleaning um, announcements. Forward KC, the first annual convention of the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, is taking place June 1st through 3rd at Cleveland Chiropractic College in Kansas City. You can find out more about that event at forwardthinkingchiro.com. We've got some amazing speakers. Our keynote speaker has been slotted. It's Greg Rose, DC, the founder of the Titleist Performance Institute, co-creator of the SFMA. We've got Leonard Fay, DC, uh, who was associated with, or maybe even founded the Motion Palpation Institute. And we've got speakers on business, marketing, social media, assessments, diagnosis, extremity adjusting, foot orthosis. We are covering just about everything you could possibly imagine in relation to the progressive chiropractic profession. In addition to that, um, we have our website, forwardthinkingchiro.com, which has blog articles. And of course, some people are finding this podcast that way. Other than that, uh, let's get down to business. My guest today is known as the Black Sheep DC, even though after talking to him, he's like the nicest guy in the world. So there's a, there's a uh, conflict there we've got to resolve. But our, we're talking to Jerry Kennedy DC, Dr. Kennedy. Jerry, the Black Sheep DC, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I didn't know I was the Black Sheep DC. I thought I was just the, uh, I'm just the, 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 uh, organizer of the group <laughs> there's is a bunch of works is that is that really what it is it's not like a self moniker it's it's more of a, a, a group or a way of being no, I, I consider a a a, a, chiro- a free-thinking chiropractor as a black sheep dc oh jesus well so. you're about to be introduced to about four thousand six hundred of them <laughs> um because that's the that's the sort of model we're trying to create is uh, independent thinkers people who can think on their own feet be subjectively cynical or uh um, what would you call that? Skeptical of the things around them and then make their own decisions is what yeah, I thought. About. I thought about that when I was originally doing Black Sheep DC and some people had asked me that they were like, you know, is that like you're the Black Sheep DC? And I was like, no, nah, I've never really thought of it that way. I've always just kind of thought of it as, you know, if you're going to be a chiropractor, you know, be your own kind of person, you know, if you, in regardless of how you want to practice or how you want to go about it, like at least come to that with your own thought process. Don't let, don't adopt something someone says just because someone says it. So to me, it's like, if you've been released from the matrix, you, uh, you are a black sheep DC. <laughs> it's ironic there. Um, the, there's that, uh, cat, uh, Patrick Gintempo, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you go far enough back in my, in the blogs at the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance website, you'll know that I don't hold any, um, I don't hold any punches against Patrick Gintempo cause he's sort of the, the one of the figureheads of the subluxation based chiropractic yeah. movement and the philosophical base. His, he, uh, oh, he likes no, to quote Ann Rand a lot. What's that? He likes to quote Ann Rand a lot. Yeah. And uh, he quotes Ann Rand saying, uh, you know, her quote that uh, 
if you don't develop your own philosophy, you end up adopting someone else's mongrel philosophy. Yeah. I always thought that's ironic because that's what most straight chiropractors do is they adopt somebody else's mongrel philosophy yeah. and make it their own. You know, it's crazy to me too, because I'm, I'm definitely like a, uh, I kind of see both sides of it. And having done upper cervical as a technique, I was around a lot of very straight philosophical chiropractors. And I, I always kind of felt, I, I always, I always feel like a square peg in a round hole because I appreciate some of that world, but I don't, I don't get the, just the dogma of it. And I don't right. get like why you can't ask questions and why it can't, you know, why can't someone from a hundred years ago be wrong? Like I was wrong this week, you know, like I, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong today. So like the idea that someone wrote something or thought something and, and you know, this from creating content, it's like, you know, I've, I've created almost 150 podcasts now just for black sheep. And it's like, there, there are plenty of things I have said that I went back and I didn't say that. And then I listened and I'm like, oh, I didn't say that. and I was wrong. And it's yeah, like, oh, totally. I have so, a very sad, sad admission to make. Um, uh, years ago, I, I wrote an article about grounding, you know, like taking your shoes off and putting your feet in the grass yeah, yeah, like yeah. normalizes your electrons. Yeah. I was, I was in on it. I thought I, thought I knew what I was talking about. You know, when you look back 10 years later and you go, oops, yeah, that was wrong. Yeah. You know, something funny story about Jen Tempo. I, I've never met him, um, but uh, somebody that works really closely with him is uh, Troy Dukowitz. And he started the whole, um, it's called Epoch. It's like the epicenter of chiropractic or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. And Dukowitz practiced in my area. Like I'm in cl- more familiar with him than I care to be. And um, I, I'm not, I don't like to slander people, um, but uh, he's- But I'm about to. <laughs> oh, you know, all I'd say is this, like uh, I usually, when someone would say, oh, do you know so-and-so? My response, my general generic response is, oh yeah, I hear they do good work, which has nothing, that's actually has nothing to do with what I actually know about them. I just don't want to talk about them. That's like I, uh, saying, um, hey, what do you think of uh, so-and-so? Yeah. What do you think of Mike? Oh, yeah. you know, Mike's Mike. Yeah. Nice guy. Yeah, whatever. Mike's I, Mike. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Mike's Mike, you know? And so, but I, he's one of the few people that if someone says like, you know, what do you think about him? I'm just like, ah, I'd just rather not say. And if they start telling me how wonderful he is, then I'm just like, all right, we got two situations here. Either I'm going to tell you what I really think about him, or you're just going to have to just be quiet. Like, like, just, like I can't, I can't tolerate you telling me how amazing he is when I practice right next to him and I know the crap that he pulls. So right. that's um, it's, and that stuff really frustrates me because it's, when you see, and this, this happens with a lot of different types of chiropractors, which is obviously not even what I plan on talking about, but when you see chiropractors that are really praised, even sometimes within the community and within their patient base, um, but as another chiropractor, you know, they are shifty as crap. And yeah, there's a guy like that here in St. Louis that, I mean, he is so shifty and there are so many people that really praise him. Like he's got a big practice and, and you'll hear things about him on the radio and stuff like that. And it's just like, and I'm just like, Oh my God, like it just makes me cringe because I know that guy's just full of crap. 
And, but he does it in such a way. And I guess that's really the ultimate deception, right? When someone is, someone you're deceiving is, speaks well of you, you know, that's the ultimate deception. Right. It, it, it's, it's, um, you know, the, you can have a perspective on it as in like, uh, you know, the, the people who end up falling in. So say there's a celebrity chiropractor in town that everybody knows and so yeah. such, such and such loves within the chiropractic community and you practice down the street from them and you receive one of their patients that was disenfranchised yeah, or you receive five to 10 of their patients that are disenfranchised. Yeah. You can sort of get a, um, an echo chamber of all the negative experiences from that practice. Sure. Sure. And, and you, you probably wouldn't see all the good ones, and, but and still the- you kind of get a good idea if you start like, you know, practice, I practice in many places and in many ways. And typically you don't get a lot of shed off from other docs. You know what I mean? Like you'll get one or two here from the guy down the street that did them wrong or whatnot. But once you start to get 10 or 15 or 20 patients from the guy down the street, you start to know something's up with that guy. You know, that it went far beyond that. And I, like I said, I, <laughs> I, I will be happy to tell you off the, off the recording, some of the shenanigans, because it's, it really is mind boggling, but um, it, I, I will say this, this is something that I actually, um, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and something, one of the comments that I may have made to a lot of people over the years is I say, listen, the, it, when you think about it, uh, Hitler had a family that loved him and cared about him and he had friends. <laughs> so what, what you need to understand is that nobody in this world is, is in a situation where everybody speaks poorly of them. So, um, th- you know, if you see someone that's just like, oh my gosh, everybody loves him and you're kind of like, I don't get it, you know, or you happen to be someone that most people really like you, but there's that person who doesn't, that's just life. Like that's just, and I'm on the receiving, I've been on the receiving end with my, um, you know, having I gone through a divorce and my um, ex-wife has gone on kind of a mission to validate being right and like telling everybody who will listen that I'm just this horrible human being. And, you know, I hear some, I've heard some of that stuff and I go, <laughs> okay, like there's so many lies. And so you kind of, I think it's always a good wise thing to, if you don't know firsthand what's really going on to kind of just take a step back and maybe give someone the benefit of the doubt. Cause you know, but if you're in it and you know, then it's like, yeah, yeah you know, call it how it is. You know, if it's, if it's crap, it's crap. I think, um, you know, for, for the most part from, and you know, this audience and the people who understand me or understand where I'm coming from know that I'm not too sympathetic to the, the dogmatic straight chiropractor as a whole, but I do grant them some levity. Like I, I think, and I said this in my last podcast with a, a Z dog MD, I said, I think they're good people who are, who have some good intentions. I don't think they're all outright, right in your face frauds. I don't think they're trying to steal from people with this bad philosophy yeah. or this approach. I think they're good intentioned people. And I think the evidence-based chiropractor can learn a lot from a straight chiropractor. There's a lot of things you can learn about taking care of people or operating a business or all these other things from that faction of the profession and apply it to an evidence-based model. Um, so, so I don't throw everything they do completely in a dustbin. I think I draw the line exactly where you do. And that's sort of that, the dogmatic approach. It's almost, and I hate to use this word, but you, you, 
you 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 invoked Godwin's law, so you already brought Hitler into the argument. <laughs> so I'm going to bring cult cult into the argument. I'm going to use the word cult, and I think there are some people on the straight chiropractic side of things, and I'm not afraid to say it now that I've said it, that really act uh, culty. Like yeah. you know, if if you don't adopt their language and you don't play their game and you don't promote their belief system, they are going to write you off like you don't even exist. Yeah, that's, I, that's part of the whole concept of, of black sheep is just that it's so, you're in a lot of times not allowed to ask questions. And, you know, it's just, it, it really is a shame because, I mean, you can be sincere and you can be sincerely wrong. You know, being wrong doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, a, a bad person. Right. And I think that I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out um, what it is exactly that I had an issue with because, you know, I saw some crazy stuff in my practice. And I think that anybody that's been in practice for very long, even if you're practicing evidence-based or you're just doing some, some small niche of chiropractic, you will see things that happen that are just kind of off um, that just, it's, it's not the normal reaction to chiropractic. Somebody, and you may call it a miracle, you may call it whatever, like I, it's, whatever it is, but it's just not, it's not normal. And I, I, I've seen that stuff and I know that that stuff does happen and chiropractors can testify to that through all of time. And, and what I finally kind of figured out for me, the explanation of what I didn't like is what I don't like is I don't like when a chiropractor takes something that might happen from an adjustment and preaches as if it does happen to everybody from an adjustment. Right. There could be someone out there that gets an adjustment and all of a sudden, you know, they were, they were, you know, pee and blood and now they're not like, I don't know. Like there could be somebody out there, they're deaf, they get an adjustment. Now they can hear like, I'm not, I'm not discarding any of those possibilities, but to go around saying that, you know, your kid's going to be, your, your kid's going to be, have trouble in school and they're going to die an early death if they don't get adjusted. That's, that's, that to me is like, you're talking about something that, that is on the fringe of what, I mean, may, might, but we have no idea. And, and that's really when you, when you start talking about all these things that you have no idea who it's going to happen to, why it's going to happen, if it's going to happen, like, you don't know any of that stuff. And you go around talking like it happens to everybody. Like that's, that's, you're just, you're overselling it. And you know, there's no basis for that. And then you look crazy because 99.9% of the time it doesn't happen. Right. And, and that's really what I had the problem with. It's like, I don't have a problem with someone telling a story of something that happened that maybe they can't explain. No, it's great. Yeah, and they might have, have one of those, but then they have a thousand times nothing happened. Yes. And they never want to talk about those. Yeah, and I ironically. would never, there's no there's no testimonials on failure. Yeah, and there's something really um, to me. There's something very freeing about looking at a patient and saying, "I have no idea." And I I had a reputation in my community of helping people that nobody else could help, and I didn't I didn't brand myself that way. I just it just. I got good results and I would have people come in with the weirdest things that I would never market to. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't, I don't put it out there that I'm going to fix this or fix that. Like these weird things. And I would tell them, look, I'm going to, I'm going to check you. I'm going to look at your spine. I'm going to take x-rays. I'm going to do what I do. Like I'm going to do my protocol. And if we're going to adjust, you know, if there's something to adjust, if I think I can help, the spine and what I work on, then I will, but I'm not going to promise that I'm going to fix it because I have no idea why that's happening. And, and 
you know, it's just one of those, I, I, there's, I, I was really uncomfortable trying to tell someone that I knew something that I didn't know. And I, and I would, I wish the chiropractic profession as a whole would get more uncomfortable with saying things that we don't know is true. Well, I think Jerry, I think for the most part, that's, that is kind of how the evidence-based practice works. I mean, you're, you, you see somebody, you evaluate them, you assess them, you come up with a, um, a working diagnosis of what you've got going on. And then you want to use some sort of objective tool to help yeah. measure where they're at. And then you, you basically say, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe you don't use the words, I'm not sure. But from my general experience with people like you, blah, 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 and, and what we see here in the exam and all that, we're going to do a trial of care. And when we try this care, we're going to do our care. And then at the end, we're going to remeasure and we're going to compare what we had to what we have now. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think even straight chiropractors, if they learned how to use actual uh, reliable tools to objectively measure what they're doing, and we're not talking about nerve scans uh, and subluxation stations, but some objective measures, uh, outcome measures of how to measure what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish, there would be plenty of ways to justify the attempts to uh, whatever they're doing, cure autism or Ebola or whatever. But the crazy things is the crazy thing about that is that that even if you even something like a subluxation station or whatever, which you know that's a whole different discussion about whether that's valid or not. But but the reality is is that a lot of chiropractors don't even use those that have. Yeah. Oh no, totally. They, yeah. they have nothing subjective they other have nothing. than yes. how are you feel and what am I palpating? And you're like, okay, come on. Like we we know that like how are you feeling and what I am feeling with my fingers is, is not the most reliable. Like there should be something like you have to have something. And this is, I, I did a, um, I've been making these memes and posting them on Instagram and Facebook and stuff just to kind of try. To be I fun. love memes. So yeah, yeah you've so got my attention. I did one recently that had a baby that was like making this kind of angry face and it said, stop adjusting us just because we were born. <laughs> and, and, and I said on it, because most of the memes I create, uh, I don't really comment much. I just kind of let them speak for themselves and I let people say whatever they're going to say. And, but this one, I was like, I am not against checking an infant. I am not against adjusting an infant. I am against adjusting someone, no matter how old they are, how young they are, purely because they have a spine and they're breathing. Like yeah. you have to have some criteria for why someone needs to be adjusted. And, and if you do have that, then you should also have a criteria that determines when not to adjust someone. And so what I said was, I have three kids. I checked all three of them after they were born. I adjusted one. I did not adjust the other two. I said, if you think that everybody that's alive and breathing needs to be adjusted, you're wrong. Like, you know, check them, fine. But if you, you know, if you don't know what that means to not need to adjust somebody, you need to figure that out. Like why right. is a chiropractor, why is that beyond your comp, like the average chiropractor's comprehension of what it means to not need to adjust someone. And it's, that blows my mind. It's like, how is it possible that you think that everybody needs to be adjusted all the time? Like, when do you, when does someone leave your office then? When have you even done your job? Like, how do you, how do you know that whether you did what you what you thought you were going to do, what you, it's just, to me, I, I don't understand the lack of, uh, the lack of, of some measure, whether we can argue the measure is stupid or not stupid. It's like have something and most chiropractors have nothing. Well, you just need more philosophy, Jerry. Oh, 
Jeez, if you understood the philosophy of chiropractic, this wouldn't be a question in your mind. And I'd have more certainty. And with that certainty, you could serve more people. Oh my gosh, dude. I got in trouble from the certainty guy. He's a nice guy, by the way. I, I can't, they're Dan, all nice guys. Well, not all of them. Dan, some of them are dicks. Some of them are dicks. Some of them are dicks. Yeah, some but, uh, them are. They're all nice people for the Dan, most part. Is it Sullivan? Is that his well, name? That guy's, a, that, guy's a, that guy's a dork. He doesn't know <laughs> what the hell he's talking about. Well, he is... Uh, uh, he got mad at me because I cracked a joke on my podcast that was somewhat related to him, not directly, but I made fun of a brain lamp um, because the idea that, that like the, I'm, I'm against the idea that people don't go to a chiropractor because they don't understand chiropractic. Like, I don't think that there's any point in the world if we could flip a magic switch and everybody understood chiropractic, I think that makes no difference in people going to a chiropractor or not going to a chiropractor because people do things. I mean, I use my phone. I'm speaking in this mic. I don't have any idea how it works. Like I've been podcasting for years now. I don't understand how it works. Like that doesn't right. keep me from podcasting. So, so not understanding something has nothing to do with whether someone uses it or not fully understanding something does not mean someone's going to do it or not do it because people fully understand that exercise is good for them, but you know, 90% of people don't do it and it's free right. and you can do it in their own home. So, you know, flipping a magic switch and everybody understanding chiropractic. So the idea that like, well, we just need a different visual aid, you know, like, <laughs> you know, now, now, oh, oh, it's not just a regular light with a dimmer switch. It's, it's shaped like a brain now. That's right. Now I get it. Like, or, now, if you, or if you change the words around a little bit. So, you know, it's not subluxation or innate anymore. Now you can use like a salutogenesis or adaptability. You know, it's like every eight months, there's a new set of terms to try to explain the same damn horse shit over yeah. and over again. So I made fun of the brain lamp and just, it was, <laughs> I was on one of my rants. I, and I said something about the brain lamp and I made fun of it. And then he got a hold of me. He's very nice. And I told him, I said, I said, listen, I did not attack you personally. I don't know you. So I said, I, that was not a personal attack. If it sounded that way, I do apologize. I said, that's not what I was trying to do. I was like, now with that said, I think the brain lamp's stupid. And I told him that. I was like, I think it's stupid. I don't think that has any, I mean, if, if it makes a chiropractor feel warm and fuzzy and now you can go out and you can talk to people, then I, I guess fine. But I, Here's the I, thing. I don't think the public. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no. If, I don't care if it makes the chiropractor feel fine or it, or it empowers them to talk to people because it empowers them to talk to people about bullshit. Yeah, you're right. And you're here's right. the thing. My, one of my mentors is Stu McGill, Stu McGill, uh, uh, professor of, uh, spine biomechanics, university of Waterloo now retired, unfortunately. He told me one time this very succinct piece of information. It doesn't matter what you do for people while they're in your office or right there in front of your face. It doesn't matter what you do for them then. It matters what you've done for them that, that makes a difference 10 years down the road. Yeah. And we have to understand the, the powers of the placebo effect, but you also have to understand the detrimental effects of the nocebo effect. And if you go around telling people that a little shift in their spine can cause them to have a myriad of issues or that the light somehow is going to turn off. And if they don't get adjusted, they're on a fast track to disease and disability. You're setting them up for possible, I'm saying possible, I'm not saying guaranteed, failure in the future, fear avoidance, uh, misinformation. They can pass that misinformation on to other people. They can scare other people. It's a, it's a fucking lie and it's downright scare care, and it should not be tolerated by anybody. I don't care if it makes the chiropractor feel good 
or that it finally is a way for them to make sense of what they're doing. What you're doing, like you've already said before, it doesn't have to make sense what you're doing. You have to communicate the right information the best way you possibly can, not just get the easiest information that sells people to get their face down on your table and gets yeah. them to buy your treatment plan. So, um, you know, I, I totally respect that you don't want to uh, call anyone out by name or, or attack them personally, but these guys, and, and I do believe they just don't know any better, but they need to know better because if you want to put yourself out as a leader in this profession, you need to know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. And these well, guys don't. You, I'll tell you something that I see a lot. This is what and I that's see. my fucking rant. I'm done. <laughs> or no, maybe I, I'm not done. I don't know. No, probably not. But something that I do see, and this is something that for people to listen, like people listen need to think about this because I, one of the things that's missing with society as a whole, the ability to critically think. Yes. And we talked about this on my previous podcast with Z dog. And so this is, this is what um, a lot of people do that is absolutely hundred percent wrong from a, from a, uh, if you're trying to prove or disprove a, a thought process or a theory or whatever, is what you don't do is you don't start with a conclusion and then go look for affirmations of that conclusion. And, and what chiropractors do that a lot of chiropractors will do that have a more, a more like kind of philosophical kind of innate, whatever, they read something in a green book, they believe that it is true, and then they dig through research that backs up pieces of what they already believe that aren't necessarily connected to what like it's, it'll talk about all these cherry pick all the things the nervous system does and how important the nervous system is. The assumption is, is that you're impacting that system. Like they, that's the conclusion that's already made is that we're just a spine. We affect the nervous system. So then they just talk about all the things that are right and true about the nervous system. And I, I made a joke to one of my buddies because one of the things that I, I, I do make fun of, it's, it's, I really think it's, it annoys me when I hear it, is that we're nerve doctors and we only adjust the spine because that's where the nervous system's at. If the nervous system was in your foot, we'd adjust your foot or something like that. And I, I hear stupid stuff like that. And, and you're like, um, I've got some information for you. <laughs> well, well, I was driving down the road um, because I always try to come at it from a patient's perspective. Like I teach relationship marketing and I'm always thinking about what the per- what, what is a patient thinking? Like what is a patient's perspective? Because we, we're, that's really where I feel that chiropractic has messed up over the years is we have completely lost the understanding of where a patient's coming from. And, and I mean, all the stuff we're talking about is infighting within chiropractic, but you have people on the outside that are just like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, they're the ones that we aren't even considering um, like how to communicate with them or what they think about what we're saying. And if you can imagine, like if you had a flat tire, you're driving down the road, you got a flat tire and you're like, oh crap, I got a flat tire. I got to go get my tire fixed. You call up a tire shop and you say, hey, do you fix tires? And they said, no, but we work on air and air happens to be in tires. Like, Wait a second. What? Are, Come on, man. Are you fixed tires? Like, tires, man. No, no. We're an air, we're an air place, but air's in tires. So, you know, and they're like, I just need my tire fixed, man. I mean, it's just like, why is this so, why is this so confusing? And I'll tell you why, because it's not about the patient. It's about themselves and in supporting or justifying their own philosophy that they they've put so much emotional stake into. Well, I can tell you something. If that philosophy fails, then their whole belief system fails. I can tell you something that's going to help every single person that's listening to this ramp up their communication skills like tenfold. And that is this, that 
when you ask a person, why are you here? You know, why are you here? What do you want help? What do you want my help with? What are you hoping to have happen from your time here? When you ask questions like that and you're just figuring out just as basic stuff, like why are you here? They have now given you the keys to the city. Every single thing that you communicate, everything you find, everything you're recommending, everything that you're going to do from that point on has to do with why they're there. No other reason. And that's exactly how I start every single one of my new patient encounters. Because you have to get that information. Like if you start talking, like you can't, first of all, can't make assumptions and, and you can't go um, start on a story or start on a script. This, the, the, like all of that stuff is when, when people go really heavy into scripts or really heavy into stories and things like that, you shut your ears off and you don't listen to the person and the person's going to tell you how they want to be communicated with. And chiropractic has not done a good job of this because if we just simply listen to the public and say, why are you here? What do you need? Because it, it, chiropractors will say that, you know, the, the chiropractic is just not about back pain. People only think chiropractic is about back pain. I'm like, no, they don't. Because like 80, what, 80% of the population has back pain. Like if we had effectively got the, the, the public to believe that chiropractic is actually going to help back pain, we would never need new patients. Right. Like, like we haven't, we've done a crappy job of that. And you want the public to believe that chiropractic is going to help autism or whatever. Like, I, I mean, like you're jumping to such a crazy down the road thing that may or may not have anything to do with anything that you are doing and you can't explain to the public how you could help their back effectively. Like that's like, we're just, well, well that's why they use those terms. Like the, the, the folks who focus on back pain alone versus the, the straight chiropractors who focus on much wider things for lack yeah. of better words. I mean, they call the back pain guys, the limited scope guys. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know if I'd want to practice such a limited scope of just back pain. Like, well, I don't know if I'd want to practice the wide open scope of complete utter imagination. You know, yeah, like I, if you were just good at the stuff that we could be good at, like, you know, that's, that's a marketing. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's also a marketing, that's marketing ignorance. Um, it is. One it of is. the things, one of the things that they will tell you when you are doing marketing, when you're running a business, like if you get into that world and you really understand that world, you're, they always joke about the riches are in the niches. And the, the thing that's nice about a niche, and, and I did a podcast not too long ago that I said, be known for something. And the, like when you become known for something, that really helps clarify for people what you do and what you're about. And it, it, it may, it's a mistake to, and I use the analogy of fishing and I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fisherman. My brother fishes and hunts and he's like a manly man. I am. I will validate this. I will validate okay. your next comment. <laughs> so, all right. So, so, so if you just say, uh, I'm going to go fishing, you disregard time of day, you disregard where you're just looking for a body of water and you're going to throw bait out and you're just going to do whatever. Like the randomness of whether you're even going to catch something or not, um, what you catch, how you catch it, how much you catch, how difficult it is, how successful you, all of that is just completely up in the air. Because if you're going to say, oh, I want to go catch catfish. I want to go bobber dogging for steelhead. So yeah, there's a certain time of day. There's a certain bait you use. There's certain techniques you use. There's certain places you go, certain places you don't go because you're looking for something specific. And when you start understanding, like these are my people, 
Like, because everybody within driving distance of your office that has a spine are not your people. <laughs> that's, that's not understanding your market. And so if you understand these are my people, then now you can start communicating with your people. You can start going where your people are. You can start optimizing your marketing and your message. And it's going to speak directly to that people. Like when, when I started Black Sheep, like my avatar is 24-year-old Jerry. Like 24-year-old Jerry who just got out of chiropractic college, started his own practice, started a family, had no money, had no patience, had no idea how to run a business and struggled. And had people that went, I went to seminars and I paid like high price coaching and I got advice and I got scripts and I got all this stuff. And I went through all of these different things. And I feel like even though you learn something from every experience, I walked away from it almost across the board feeling like more was taken from me than was given. Yeah. And, and I was out of exchange with those experiences. And so now with Black Sheep, the reason that, I create so much you know, content and I give that content away. The reason that I, even my academy is it's less than a hundred bucks a month for people to be a part of. And the way it's structured is so that 24 year old Jerry can get a lot of really great information at an affordable price. And, and because that's who I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help the guy who's starting a family, who's trying to start a practice, who thinks that school prepared him to be a chiropractor, but realizes that it didn't like, trying to help that guy go through the process of growth and learning that's going to take time, but do it in as least painful way as possible and not make his situation worse. I know who I'm talking to. And so like when you're a chiropractor and you haven't ever clarified who you're talking to, who your people are, who you're trying to help, you're, you're just out, like you just pick somebody water and you're just fishing like, yep. and you may catch something you don't even want. And if you've never had a new patient that came, you're like, oh God, I just need another new patient. And then someone comes in, you're like, you could just take them right back. You know what I mean? Like there are certain people, they're just, don't, you don't want, they're bad fit. Like you don't even want them. And if you're attracting the right people in, that doesn't, that doesn't happen, but rarely, you know, and that's just, that's marketing, that's messaging. And a lot of chiropractors believe that the broad kind of sweeping you know, practice model is the right way to go. And it's, it's from a marketing standpoint, which has nothing to do with specifically chiropractic. That is a dumb way to run a business. It is. There's it's my very opinion. well stated. And I think, I think the fishing analogy is very true. Um, you know, as a fisherman, when you, when you use strategies, you, you first rule is you go where the fish are. Yeah. And uh, especially the fish you're actually fishing for. And then you need to know the things that attract them, what they like, um, when they're going to be there, how to speak to them, how to entice them. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance, I, I have, uh, Kevin Christie told me I needed an avatar. And I don't know what an avatar is, but now I'm starting to figure out what it is. That's your person. That's your person. <laughs> like the movie? I'm supposed to be a blue alien? What the hell? <laughs> no, that's like, your person. That's my my you person that I sort of play, right? Your, no, 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 no. It's your person that you help. Okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. So my avatar. Well, the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance, our avatar is that sort of like 28 year old just graduated uh, and realizes that, um, holy crap, I'm in for a whole world of hurt. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, I mean, they didn't prepare me in school. And, and here's when, when you really get deep into that, like, like the avatar idea, um, 
what they what they typically recommend that you do is get very specific and be, actually don't speak in generalities. Come up with a person. Yeah. Um, and because here's here's the thing. Like, so twenty four year old Jerry is my avatar, and obviously I know him very well because I lived him. Right. Um, when I look at my people, whether it's people that listen to my podcast or people that are members of mine or whatever, there's nobody that's 24 year old Jerry, but all of them are my relatives and all of them have some characteristic and some likeness to 24 year old Jerry. And, and so what you'll find with your practice is when you define your avatar, your avatar might be who's the perfect patient, the one person that if you could have a whole practice full of that one person, how much do they make? How old are they? What are their problems? How often do they come? Where do they, you know, all of your ideal, your ideal patient, perfect person, as they say, you know, your ideal client, but some people offended when you use the word client, client, patient, whatever. It's like you, like they're, what's their name? Where do they go? What do they do? Who is it? A person, an individual. And if you start creating your message to speak to that person, what you may find is you have a practice full of relatives. You're going to have a practice full of relatives, meaning there may not be but one of those people in your practice, but everybody else is going to resemble that person in some way, shape, or form because those are the people that you're attracting. Like They hear your message. And this is when you've done it correctly. Uh, It helps with retention. It helps with acquisition. It helps with all those things because when you've done it correctly, and we all have had this feeling where you're searching for something online, you're super frustrated, blah, 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 this other stuff, and then you find what you're looking for and you go, oh, thank God. Like, I found it. That's what you want your patients to feel when they've experienced your website, your materials, your their first visit, whatever that, like when they have an encounter with you, you want them to get that, oh, I found, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Like, because what you're doing, everything you're doing, everything you're saying, how you're set up is speaking to them. And what, he's, what he's saying out there, all the 28-year-old Bobbies that are my avatar, um, <laughs> is you know, one of the first things Jerry said is you can't just have a general practice of, yeah. of just general stuff that you hope people come in for, quote-unquote, chiropractic. Because chiropractic, for the most part, if you just put chiropractic on your door, you've now commoditized yourself to everybody else who just has chiropractic on their door. So some sort of practice focus is very important. And in that practice focus, like you say, well, you know, there's tons of practice focuses out there, but in some way and somehow you communicate that what you do is distinct, not better. You definitely don't want to advertise that you're better than anybody else, but distinct from other people. Now this is where the straight chiropractors kick your ass because they distinguish themselves in some very, my personally unapproving ways, but they distinguish themselves. I'm not just a chiropractor. I'm a chiropractor that focuses on curing Ebola or whatever. That's pretty distinct. And then they communicate based on that distinction. So you have to have a practice focus and then everything you communicate comes out of that focus. Every poster on your wall is, is centered around that focus. Every communication that your staff does is centered on that focus. And once all that language is the same and you're communicating to the ideal client around that focus, then things start to show up the way you want them to. And that could be, it could be, um, because community is a broad term, like community is a broad term. Like we think of like, we're in a community and that's our city. 
but no, it's like CrossFit gyms. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah your community, your community are those people you manage specifically yes. who, who, sure. who jive with what you're laying down. Yeah. Your community could be uh, your church circle. Your community could be your cycling circle. It could be moms. It could be pregnant women. It could be whatever. Like there, there's, there are communities within communities. And, and if you become known for being the chiropractor that people like, oh, you have that issue. You need to go there. That makes it easier for your patients to refer to you. It makes it easier for other professionals to refer to you because you become known for something. And it's better to be known for one thing. And I use the example, I went down to Branson a couple months ago which is like an old person destination. In Missouri. You gambling on the riverboat? <laughs> no, no, we went to Silver Dollar City actually, which is like, a, I realize it's a total old person thing. Hey man. Um, but I was uh, one of the, there's a restaurant, I forget what it's even called, um, but they're known for throne rolls. Like they, like, so you have the dinner rolls, you go to the, they usually put them on your table. They don't do that here. What they do here is they got a guy with a cart that comes out with rolls. And if you want a roll, you raise your hand and he chucks it at you. Like they, <laughs> they don't hand you the rolls. Even if they walk right up to your table, they will still like throw it, kind of lob it at you. Um, so that's what they're known for. And it's, it's a gimmicky thing, but everybody knows like what the, the place with the throne rolls, you know, and, and it becomes like this destination. Oh, you got to go. Cause it's just, it's, it's. So you went there to hand out your card because of all the shoulder <laughs> injuries from the old people trying to catch the roll. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, you could, I suppose, like <laughs> hit the, I don't know if there's any, I don't know if there's any traumatic brain injuries from, from the pretty soft rolls. The so. roll injury niche. It's out there at Branson <laughs> if anyone wants to jump on yeah, that. Yeah, so it's it, the, I, but the idea is that if you look at different things within your community and it's like the, the things that are, people are, become staples within your community, they're known for something. There's a bakery that's known for this. There's this place that's known for that just think about that with your own business and like what is something that you can become known for and don't worry about, you're not going to be known for one thing. And that's the, like, you've now niched yourself down into nobody right. else goes for you to any other reason. Like that's, that's not going to happen. But when you become known for something that can become the foundation and kind of the key, the cornerstone of a really successful practice. Very well said. That's true. Totally true. This guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, um, let me switch gears here real fast. Where do you see, I mean, you have your, you, you get the impression from your clients because mm. you are leading them in a certain direction, but they also lead you in reverse because they'll let you know what they need, what their fears are and whatnot. Yeah. What, what pulse do you have on the profession? Where do you think it's going? What do you think needs to happen? Um, to I think, move it forward or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think the profession as a whole, I mean, the profession as a whole for a long time has been very divided. And I mean, we've, we've already obviously uh, alluded to that. Um, I think something in terms of going forward from the individual chiropractor, because what I would love to see, um, what I would love to see my, I guess, and a piece of advice for kind of all chiropractors is that, you know, when, when the, they talk about the plane going down and the mask falls and they say, put your mask on first, like that's one of the things that I would love to see across the board for chiropractors. And it's, you know, don't stop worrying about the profession as a whole until you are okay. Uh, because there are a lot of chiropractors that, that kind of take on this like big picture change of chiropractic and kind of miss 
what it means. Like they miss that they need to be okay first. Like if chiropractic is going to be okay, we have to keep chiropractors from failing. And so many chiropractors fail and the profession will go on, but so many chiropractors fail. And I think that that's really unfortunate. People making money off that failure. Yes. There's a lot of people, a lot of, there's a lot of different people making money off of, off of that failure. And, and we don't, we don't help each other. One of my other memes recently was there was two bears and one of them looked like it was punching the other one in the nuts. And I put new chiropractor on the one getting punched in nuts. And then I put uh, chiropractic gurus or chiropractic <laughs> marketing seminars or something as the other ones. Cause like, we, that's what we do. Like we kind of hurt our own. Well, um, you know, I, I want to make one caveat to that to that uh, assessment that you got to, the, the chiropractor has to be okay first before worrying about the profession as a whole. I want to make the distinction that if you support your American Chiropractic Association, your, you know, I'm not even going to mention the other one, the American Chiropractic Association, that counts as making sure yourself is okay. That doesn't yeah, count as much as the profession as a whole. Yeah, and I don't mean and I don't mean don't be involved with associations and things of that nature. What I mean by that, what I mean by that is that I just I just have seen a lot of chiropractors. There's a lot of people that put chiropractic first before themselves, before their patients, before anything yes. else. And I they think, make decisions based on chiropractic or what the Green Book said. I think that when you put the profession, when, you, when you're thinking, um, when you think so big that you don't understand that you have to figure out your business, you have yeah. to get some stability there. And, yeah. and, and I just, I, I, I think, I know the chiropractic profession is going to go on. It's going to go on regardless. Like if, if we've gone through this much nonsense and we still exist, like chiropractic profession is going to go on. My bigger concern is the individual doc kind of thinking about, like I said, 24 year old, you know, Jerry. And, and, yeah. and the, what I have seen is this, is that, is that there are really great chiropractors that are struggling. There are really crappy chiropractors that are doing well. And for the profession to kind of progress, if you're talking about, I do think the individual has to like, you have to focus on yourself first, kind of, you know, put your own mask on first. What most chiropractors don't understand is that's not going to come through a new technique. It's going to come through understanding how to run a business. It's going to come through understanding how to better communicate with your people. Um, it's going to come through that avenue. It's going to come through a non-chiropractic avenue where you're going to be successful and the profession is going to be successful because there, the, like you will see philosophical chiropractors that are struggling, philosophical chiropractors doing well. You'll see not, you'll see, uh, um, you know, non-philosophical chiropractors and evidence-based chiropractors doing well. You'll see those that are struggling. Like it's, that is not going to be the determining factor, whether the individual chiropractor does well. It's true. Or not. It's true. I, um, in addition to the forward thinking chiropractic Alliance Facebook group, I have one that's just for students and, and I only let students in. Um, so they have, they're completely, they're, they're all the claws of anyone who can provide influence to them within that group are completely hands off. And in both groups, I placed a poll over the last couple of weeks. I placed a poll in the student group and asked them what issues or what things do they think they need to learn the most to be successful in practice that they're missing. And I asked the same question in the larger group, which has practicing DCs and new DCs and students as well. 
and there's a couple retired DCs in there, and the answers were completely different. The student's number one answer was clinical skills, yeah, techniques. Which is not true. Which is not true at all, but it was by an overwhelming majority that was their answer. And then, of course, in the, in the bigger group with practicing DCs and whatnot, it was business skills, management skills, finances, hiring, uh, patient communication, things like that. So I made a meme in the student group because I love memes too. And it was the uh, Morpheus, you know, what if I told you? Yeah. Morpheus saying, what if I told you that when you graduate, your clinical skills are going to be just okay. They're going to be just fine. Yeah. And, and that's the, the, you know, we've, we, we talked about this the first time we talked is about the fact that I, I don't really particularly, I, I don't have major issues with how people practice. I mean, I want them people to be honest. I want you to say what you know and don't say what you don't know. Um, what drives me crazy is the lack of excellence, the lack of commitment to excellence within chiropractic. And, and that also kind of goes back to business and marketing because like there's, there's a little bit more commitment to excellence in regards to the clinical stuff. Uh, but you know, I, I did a, I did a podcast a while back. This was uh, called practice like a boss. And, and the point of that whole podcast was to say, listen, if you are, unless you're working for somebody else, if you're in charge of your own destiny, which the vast majority of chiropractors are, you have to take the responsibility of being the boss. You know, you're, if you're, the chiropractic is so unique because like, you know, I told you my, my fiance is a nurse practitioner and she got out of school and we sat, I sat there and she's talking to me about these job offers she got. And I was like, like as a young chiropractor, I would have given my left kidney to have that job offer. Like it's, it's insane like how different that world is because she can get a job. She can get a great job with great salary, great benefits right out of school. Chiropractors, you don't get that opportunity. You spend all that money in school, all that time in school. They give you your diploma. The, the president shakes your hand, pulls you in close, gives you a hug, says, congratulations. Nobody gives chiropractors jobs. And it's like, <laughs> it's like what, 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 what do you say? <laughs> and it's like, now you can go learn how to run a business. And, and, and adjusting patients and running a business are not the same thing. And your right. opportunity to be a chiropractor is going to be dependent on your ability to run a business. And you can be the greatest chiropractor in the world and work at Home Depot because you don't know how to run a business. And you could be the worst chiropractor in the world and have this huge clinic. And I don't recommend that. I think you should be an awesome chiropractor and awesome at running your business because I think people deserve that. Like I think that our profession deserves, if you're going to do something in your practice, if you're going to sell it, if you're going to promote it, if you're going to offer it, be freaking good at it. Be the best yep. you can possibly be. But don't think for a second, like your skill with a laser or your ability to adjust <laughs> is going to have anything to do with your retirement because it isn't. And it doesn't like, have any, just like you said before, it doesn't have anything to do with miracles either. It, um, it, you turned me on to Ryan Lee, not, not the Scientologist chiropractor, Ryan Lee, but the, um, yeah. um, and he has a quote and his quote is, by the way, cause you've, you've made these comments about business and whatnot. If you can't acquire new customers or clients or patients or whatever you want to call it, you don't have a business. Yeah. You're not a business person. Yeah. So the only way to succeed in this is to be good at business but if you can't acquire people, new people, then you're not even running a business. And my, I know most of these people out here have no idea how to acquire a patient. My three-part three marketing simplification is this. Meet new people, connect with people, invite them to take the next step. 
Those are the three things that you have to always be doing for now until the end of time. And so there are some chiropractors out there that are really great at connecting within their community, meaning like when someone meets them, they love them, they do a great job, they stick around forever, like they're awesome, they speak well of them. That's me. Like, yeah, they could do that. But, but if you don't have if you don't have fingers out in your community where you're constantly meeting new people, there should be people know, that know about you this month that didn't know about you last month. That has to happen. Otherwise, the well dries up. And so there has to be things, and that could be referral sources introducing people to you. That could be Google introducing people to you. That could be a Facebook ad introducing people to you, your Instagram account introducing people to you. There can be a bunch of different ways that people are being introduced to you, but you need to have things out in the community where you're constantly being introduced to new people. Then once they meet you, it's going to take the average person five to eight or more exposures, positive exposures with the business before they become a buyer. So unless you plan on having someone refer you five, six, seven, eight times to that person, what you need to do is have an opportunity for that person to connect with you. That could be through an email newsletter. That could be through your social media account. That could be through a podcast. People get a hold of me and they say, I just had someone just recently join my academy and on my initial form that I have them fill out, kind of figure out where they're at, what's going on. They sat in there. I've been listening to your podcast for two years, two freaking years, like <laughs> two years you've been listening to my podcast and now you ask for help. Like, but that's what people do. That's how it works. Yeah. Someone has chronic back pain their entire life. They're going to meet you at a thing like, you know, three years ago, you know, and then they decide to come in or like, you know, for whatever reason, like, I don't know, their back got bad enough. They couldn't play golf, you know, whatever. Like it's just all of a sudden they have a trigger and, but they've connected with you. They stay connected with you. You provide value to them. And now they took that next step because you're also, also inviting them to take that next step. Because there's a lot of chiropractors really good at connecting, but they're really bad at inviting because they're like, oh, I don't want to sell people. I don't want to, listen, inviting people to take the next step is not selling them. It's not being dishonest. You're just, don't expect people to get it. They don't get it. Like you could do a talk, you could blow them away. And if you don't just say, hey, if you need help, here's how you do it. This is what you do next. There are going to be people going like, well, I guess he's busy and he don't need any patients. You have a website that doesn't have a clear next step and you, you think people are going to get it. They're not going to get it. You put an ad out there that you just think people are going to get it. Like they're not like, so meet new people, connect with those people, invite them to take the next step. If you're doing that, that, that simplifies your marketing. And if you look at your marketing, you say, wow, I'm really good at inviting, but I don't really have a big community when you need more people. I'm really good at meeting people, but I'm really bad at connecting. Like it's, it's all surface level, shallow. Everybody knows who I am, but nobody's, there's no, I have no tribe. I have no community. Yeah. Like all three of those things are necessary to have just this nice, steady, stable practice that's got just good marketing. Meet new people, connect with people, invite them to take the next step. It's simple enough. Have you, um, have you ever read the Flexner report? I haven't. It was, it, it's sort of, they say it's, it was supposed to be the, the chiropractic's version of the, um, I'm sorry, the, the learner report. Have you read the learner report? Hmm. The learner report was supposed to be chiropractic's version of the Flexner report. Mm-hmm. So the Flexner report was this thing that re- revitalized and, and reformed medicine in, the, in like the early 1900s. So the Flexner report, uh, or sorry, the Lerner report was brought on around the 1960s, I believe. B.J. Palmer was still alive. And they hired this attorney and he was supposed to do a whole investigation of the chiropractic profession and then come to some conclusions on how chiropractic can change its image in the public's eye and its professional image and 
and somehow be magically accepted by everybody. Yeah. And uh, uh, Lerner never finished it. Uh, apparently the story goes that he was trying to get a lot of info information out of BJ Palmer and BJ Palmer just gave him the runaround and yeah. then eventually sort of shrugged him off. But uh, there was, th there was one succinct thing that Lerner discovered from all of it. And it's his most distinct, uh, I think, quotate quotation in the whole report was that there's a, there's a secret to chiropractic and there are some people that have figured out the secret and there's others that never will. And those that figure it out are destined for wealth and uh, the, the others are destined for destitute. <laughs> and um, he said the, the secret and BJ and DD Palmer picked it up real fast was that you can make $5 treating somebody or you can make $500 teaching a chiropractor how to treat somebody. Yeah. Dude, and, uh, and I was like, dude, and that was 1960s, you know, fifties or sixties. He already figured that out. And DD and BJ figured that out along the way. And it was almost like a matrix moment for me where it blew the, the, the veneer off of what all the gurus do. And cause I'm, I'm more or less, I'm staunchly guru, anti guru with that, but also understanding that it's something that's also necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, listen, like you it's, need it's, people to coach you and you need, yeah. you need leadership and this profession sorely needs some sort of way of teaching the young chiropractors how to be successful, but not make them, I don't want to be, I'm done with the negative stuff. Not you know, listen, fucking here. dickhead about it, man. I, I will, uh, what I, I will say this, because uh, I'm in two worlds. I exist in two worlds. Um, one world is the chiropractic world. The other world is the online marketing world. Mm -hmm. um, I see similarities in both worlds. And the difference, part of the difference is in the online marketing world, when you get in, I, I've had the privilege of ha being able to pull the curtain back and get to hear what people are saying and doing behind the scenes. Right. And I get to hear the amount of, uh, when people talk about extracting as much money as possible from people, uh, when they talk about doing, I mean, it's, it's the money grabbing and, and, and all done in the name of like, we're helping people. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's all packaged. Right. Or sometimes done in the name of religion too. Oh, that, and, and listen, being a, being a faith person, like I, I, like my faith is very important to me. Like that really chaps me the wrong way because like, that's something that's very important to me. And when someone takes God and makes money off of God and even people, not only within chiropractic do that, but people within, even people in churches and religion do that. I mean, there's, they just, it, it, it makes me crazy. And it's just, I, I, it's, it aggravates me. And, and I, this is one of the things I, I even about schools that, that annoy me is that if you really want people to be successful, you really want to help them. If you're really concerned about those people, why are you putting them, why are you making their situation worse? And, and a lot of people do what I call selling hope. And, and yeah. what I will tell all my chiropractors is, listen, hope is expensive. Hope is super expensive. And you're going to waste more money on hope than probably anything. If you go, if you go start going down this route, and this is, we're kind of made full circle back to critical thinking. What you have to be able to do is you have to be able to, if you don't understand business, you don't understand market, you don't have, understand how things work, you don't have a solid base, then you go sit in a seminar and someone sells you hope. 
And it's, it's a feeling, it sounds good. They got their scripts down. They got their procedure down. They're walking you through this process to get you to buy and become a yes person for them. You're, you, you are a sheep. You're just a sheep going to the slaughter. And you're, and, and it's such a terrible thing that we do to young chiropractors that they, they don't know any better. And they're just looking for help. They want help. They're, they're up to their eyeballs in debt from school. They're trying to start a practice. It costs money to run a practice. They don't know how to run a practice. They don't know how to spend money. They don't know how to budget. They don't know how to invest. And they don't even know if someone's trying to pull the wool over their eyes. That's like someone coming to your practice and being like, oh, you should buy this billboard because you know, a million people see this billboard every day. It's like, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> like a million people may drive by this billboard every day, but like nobody sees it. It's right. like, yep. like there's a big difference between people seeing it and, and people driving by it, but it's, they just want to paint it, you know, some picture to get you to say yes, because you don't know what you're doing. And I, I think that these, a lot of these practice management, a lot of these schools, a lot of these training things, they, they present themselves as a solution to a problem and a solitary solution to a problem. And from my experience, people that are struggling are never one thing away from not struggling. You know, they're not, like looking for a home run, looking for a missing piece, looking for something like you think there's some like nugget under like in some seminar that's going to like all of a sudden change your life. And then to have the gall to be like, tell someone like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to go to that seminar because like, it's going to cost me $500 to go to the seminar and $1,000 to, to get there. And it's going to like, and I'm just really strapped right now. And the gall for some people to be like, well, if you invest in that, you're going to get something from it and you're going to quadruple that when you go back. And it's selling people hope, like, shut up. Like you're yeah. just like, <laughs> that stuff drives me crazy because I, I, it breaks my heart because I was that kid. You know, I was that kid, started a family and doing all this stuff all at the same time. And I didn't have any money. I didn't have any sense. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> and, and, and people made it worse. And you know, it, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Cause then they know you're a Mark, you're, you're a chum in the water at that point. It's, and it's, it's the aggravating. Hegelian dialectic. They create the problem and then they offer themselves up as the solution. It's it to me. It's an aggravation, and I, and if I could do anything for young chiropractors, is I I would love to be able to flip a switch, the critical thinking switch, and just say, listen, you don't have to make the same choices I would make, but making decisions ignorantly. And here's another nugget. Here's a here's a little nugget too that'll save you tens of thousands of dollars. Don't make decisions on emotional highs or emotional lows, like. Do not make big decisions on emotional highs or emotional lows. So if you're all jacked up about something, you're super excited and you're, you're getting ready to sign something or commit to something, what happens on emotional highs, you commit to things that you wouldn't normally commit to. What happens on emotional lows is you break ties with things that you wouldn't normally break ties with. And so you may quit on something you shouldn't quit because you're just had a down day or you're depressed. You may commit to something that you wouldn't normally commit to because you're all jazzed up. You have to do an emotional inventory when you're making big decisions and make sure that you're on a level playing field. You know, if you, if you need to ask somebody for help, ask somebody for help. Don't ask your stupid friends that are in the same situation you are. Like somebody that's, somebody that's wasted some of their own money. Like that, ask that person. <laughs> ask, ask someone like you or me that's, that's like we've, we've wasted our own money making the wrong choice. Like ask someone for help 
if you need help, but do not go to a seminar or go to something and you ha- you're all jacked up, excited, and then go making a decision. Like walk away, like yeah. walk away. And as a, as, a, uh, as a disclaimer, when we talk about the Forward Thinking Chiropractic Alliance Convention uh, in Kansas City, June 1st through 3rd, forwardthinkingchiro.com, you know, when you see the, the language we put out there, we are, we, it is, it's agnostic. We're not promising anything. We're not selling anything. The speakers that I have shown up there, they know for a fact that they're there to bring information. And you get to make that decision whether you think that information is going to be better for you for not or not. But there is there is no hard pitch stuff going on there um, because it's not it's not well received. I think I would hope we breed a better audience of people. Um, but there's still some people along the way that that do get caught up in the emotion of a seminar or whatnot. We I want am, those people to get great information and then go home and think about it. I am 100 percent for paying people paying for information. Like I make a yeah. living people paying for information. Yeah. So I, I'm not opposed to people um, going somewhere and paying for information and learning something. You have to learn. I mean, it's, it's, it, there are things you don't know as a young chiropractor that you have to know if you're going to survive and you got to get that information somewhere. Um, what I'm more aggravated about is I'm aggravated about the promise of getting that information and you don't get anything. You just, other than more problems. And, and so if someone is offering and, and, that's such a, a relational kind of one of the things I always will say about relationship marketing is that one of the rules is you never violate the relationship. And yeah. yes. which, which means if you have to eat it as a, like to me, I, I am the, the shepherd of the black sheep. So like there are times where maybe, maybe there's a, there's a, an issue that's going on and I have to eat some costs to maintain the relationship or I have to admit fault or apologize. I, I'm going to be quick to do that because I'm very conscious of not violating the relationship. I'm thinking long-term. And, and a lot of these, these gurus and seminars and things of that nature, you go there and you're out of exchange the whole time because they're not concerned about the relationship. They're concerned about selling. They're concerned about acquiring new clients. They're concerned about what, whatever that happens to be, the, you know, extracting as much money from you as possible. And you're out of exchange. And, and those are the people you don't deal with. And you know this, like you, if you have an experience with someone, a coach, mentor, whatever, and you start feeling like you're out of exchange, there's a reason you feel that way. And, you know, as a buyer of information, I, I, me, I always want to walk away feeling like, I, I had a really great experience and that's what I want. One of the things I say about my academy is one of my commitments is I want my people to leave happy because I know that everybody's not going to stick around forever. Like that's an unrealistic expectation. Right. But when I, they leave, I want them to leave happy and 75, 80% of the people unprovoked who dis, who don't become, who discontinue their membership with me will email me and tell me, thank you. And they'll say, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, this is what I'm doing next. I'm kind of doing, and I'm like, cool. And I love that because they leave happy. And that's what I want because I was on the other side of that where I was just desperately trying to get out of something that I shouldn't have agreed to, to begin with, that was costing me a bunch of money and making my family situation worse. And like, I've been on the other side of it and that's crappy and it's super crappy. Yep. I've been there too. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to round this out, how can people find you, your information, your podcasts, your group, your, uh, black your sheep, yeah, black sheep, is the website and you know, you can find links to the podcast and 
And uh, there's an email newsletter I send out every week. And those are all free. I have the Academy. Um, I have a online review thing uh, system. It kind of helps people get more reviews. I got a few things that I'm adding. I'm actually going to be transitioning over into a um, uh, uh, premium podcast option too. I've been, uh, I think I talked to you about that just a little bit uh, the other day. And uh, so that's going to be cool too. But you know, blacksheepdc.com, they can, they can find me there and find links to all my social stuff and everything else. Sweet. Um, I would, I, I would love to have you back on sometime to get a little more specific. Um, but uh, you, uh, you, when we, when we draw that line in the sand between a guru and someone providing information, you passed the Dr. Bob sniff test, my friend. <laughs> Dude, I think you're legit. I think you're legit. I'm telling you. Even if you were an upper cervical weirdo. <laughs> you know what I say about upper cervical is, uh, I'll tell Don't you Don't say it. Just say, I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm no. sorry. I'll tell you why I did upper cervical. I didn't, I didn't do upper cervical for any reason other than it really, really helped me. And I was really, really good at it. Um, hey, that that's was, great, man. I was originally going to do, um, I was, um, into, I was originally going to be a physical therapist. You and I talked about that. We were kind of both going down the same path and I was going to get into like sports chiropractic and stuff like that. And, uh, I had horrific headaches and really bad back pain. And I tell you, the only thing that actually helped my back was an upper cervical adjustment, which was super weird to me. It was, I, I just thought it was like, this is, this guy's a nut and this is the weirdest thing in the world. And, um, it helped me so much. And when I started trying it and doing it, like I was just really good at it. And so I was like, you know, it was, it was less about, anything else and more about the fact that I was just good at it and it really helped me. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I, get, I understand the, I understand the, the, uh, the group of weirdos though. A lot of those weirdos are my friends, but I, uh, I, they, they can still be your friends. I've got some weirdo friends. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Who but, doesn't? Uh, after a couple of beers, you know, you're like, come on, man, come on. <laughs> well, you gotta, said, you gotta drop the vaccine stuff and <laughs> I said, um, I actually went to a seminar. I was at an upper cervical seminar and, uh, I always felt like a, like I said, I always felt like a weirdo in the room. And, uh, I said this one time and I got, everybody looked at me like I had like three eyes and I knew relatively sh short time into practice that I wanted to get out of practice and get into other things. Like I, I, I love chiropractic, but the day to day is not something that I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And so I sat there with a bunch of my upper cervical, philosophical, love chiropractic, save the world friends. And I told them, I said, you know, the difference between me and you guys, I said, I could never adjust another person another day in my life. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't miss it. And they looked at me like I was, because they're just like, their pies of forms are burning. You know what I mean? Like if they haven't like popped an atlas recently, you know what I mean? It's like that. Right, that yeah. type of thing. And I'm just like, you know, I love chiropractic. I think it's awesome, but I just don't, it just, it just, it's something I could walk away from, you know, I'm not, it's not a, you know, it's not that pull, that religious thing. It's not a, you know, it's not a cult thing. It's not a, it just doesn't have that pull for me. And so I think that helps me be more objective because I don't have an emotional attachment to chiropractic. I, I love profession, but it's not something that I, um, you know, I'm not going to die for it. And that's the moment they notified the bridge and the OT8 Thetans, Thetans started hunting you down. I stopped getting the invites. <laughs> <laughs> they jumped you out. They jumped you out of the cult. It does have like, it's sort of like rings. I mean, you know, if we dug more into your story, it's sort of rings of like you left Scientology, but you know. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's uh, like I said, it's, it's just a. Um, they don't talk to you anymore. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I tell you, I never have philosophical conversations. Um, I, I just don't, I just, it's, 
You do. You don't know it, but you do. Some of the stuff you laid down today was was pure philosophy. It looks <laughs> like marketing. It looks like business. But that is philosophy to say you need a, a, a singular focus and communicate your world based on that focus. Well, I don't have. Th- I don't that's have. what those guys are doing too. Like I said, you know, upper those upper cervical Scientology, what, whatever you want to call them, they have a singular burning pisiform focus. It's just, um, you know, I I personally don't approve of it. Yeah, and, and I I appreciate. I don't think it serves people because, well. Yeah, I appreciate your perspective because I think that I think that with. Uh, especially when you start getting into the extremes of the chiropractic philosophy, which, which happens quickly. I mean, it just, you can go from, you can go from like, Oh, it's, I appreciate it to like crazy and like a heartbeat. And um, I think you're right. I think it does. I think those extremes can be very detrimental to people and it puts people in a situation where they, put faith in something. I heard the other day, they're talking about Oprah because there people talk about Oprah running like, Oh, she might run for president or whatever. And they said that she went through this like positive thinking, energy healing, whatever. And then she got in trouble because some woman who had cancer decided like she was going to heal herself with positive thoughts and she died. And so it, it's kind of along the same lines is that, you know, when you start over overstating what we know and overstating what is scientific and you start getting into you're making recommendations purely based on philosophy, not based on science, not based on findings, not based on trial and error, not based on we gave it a, we gave it a shot and it's not working, but just purely based on we believe something to be true and we're just going to press forward. You really put someone in dangerous situation, similar yep. to like the healing yourself with positive thoughts and then dying of cancer. Yeah, it's one thing if you're Jenny McCarthy or Oprah doing that. It's a whole different thing if you're a licensed professional. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely get yourself in trouble. Um, I wish, I wish they did. I wish they did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, that's all I got today. I mean, that was, that was pretty awesome, man. Yeah. I told you, I I told you. For for such a damn black sheep, uh, you (laughs) were quite enjoyable to talk to. Get me to shut up. It's the hard part, right? The shepherd of the black sheep. I like that. The shepherd of the The black sheep. Yeah. I don't, I don't consider myself the black sheep DC. I consider myself the, uh, I'm trying to invite people to be uh, black sheep DC. It would be awesome if everybody became black sheeps in this profession, started asking some questions. I'm all for it. Um, nothing but pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Appreciate and, uh, it. I hope I'll talk to you again soon. Yep. Bye.